Hello and welcome to another episode of Dirty Dishes and today I'm going to talk about the view from my balcony. Um, I touched on this in some of my earlier episodes. Um, I'm a big believer in change and going through different periods and different seasons in your life and the view from my balcony excuse me recently is changing and it's changing like the leaves I love to sit and look out my window and see all the different colors right now I have a lot of um, reds and yellows and still some green hanging out on the leaves of the tree um, outside the balcony at my home and it's a lovely view and it's something that prompted me to kind of take evaluation or stock of everything going on in my life recently and everything that is happening in the world right now as well. Um, this year was going to be like a huge year for me. Um, this is my last year in my 30s. Um, it's scary and exciting at the same time. It's scary to end a decade of your life and also like you're not in your 30s anymore you're now in that 40 bracket so it's a little bit different um than what I'm used to or what any of us are used to when we hit a different decade in our lives um so I wanted this year to be like a lot of fun do a lot of different things try a lot of new things and COVID hit and I have not been able to do a single thing that I wanted to do. Um, So I've had to kind of change my thinking a little bit. And that's okay. That's all right. Um, But I will say with this time to think, it has really caused me to put boundaries in place. Um, I've had to put some fence posts up Um, over the summer. Um, I had some situations with my oldest stepdaughter. She is 14 and there were a lot of things that happened over the summer that weren't real great. Um, it's kind of basically her being a teenager, but also at the same time, she has, um, some manipulative tendencies and I actually caught her saying some very derogatory things about me. She didn't think I was around and it was really hard to hear. Um, But it did give me pause to evaluate where I was at with my relationship with her, um, where I was coming from, where she was coming from. So it was a very difficult period. Um, The summer was difficult. And if I'm really honest, I was relieved when she went back to her mom's house. And I know some people say that's a terrible thing to say, but it was relief because there was tension after it happened. It wasn't a good situation. Um, So it's caused me to pause and really take stock of everything, like I said. And the other thing too is um, when I had my hysterectomy, which I will probably talk about more in another episode, um, I ended up having early ovarian failure and this doesn't happen in all hysterectomy cases. I think it's somewhere between three and five percent that this can happen to. Um, 
I had wondered off and on, as well as my spouse had wondered off and on, if I actually was in menopause because um, I think somebody could have dropped a napkin on the floor and I would have freaked out. It, <laughs> um, there was a lot of insomnia, there was hot flashes, there was weight gain, um, there was all types of menopausal symptoms going on. Um, I had tried to convince my um, general practitioner, you know, please let me get tested. Like something doesn't seem right. This is craziness. Um, and she refused to do it. She told me that my hormones would be off no matter what. It didn't matter. So I went um, another two years without having a diagnosis for what was going on with me. Um, during that time, they decided that putting me on antidepressant medication was the right thing to do. Um, unfortunately, that made things worse. Um, so I decided to go back to my doctor in my hometown. I decided to go back to the doctor that did the surgery, even though he's an hour and a half away. Um, I am thanking God that I did that because... He gave me what I needed. I ended up having tests in February or March um, to figure out what was happening. And it turns out, turns out I was in full-blown menopause. Um, there was nothing that um, anxiety medication was going to cure at that point. <laughs> um, so he basically told me to get off all the medication I was on to try to so-called relieve my symptoms. Um... So, and he put me on hormone replacement therapy and I have been on it for about four or five weeks now because there was a little bit of stretch in between where I couldn't go see him because of COVID. They weren't allowing patients. It just, it was craziness with my appointments. Um, so I figured out what was going on. So I encourage any woman, man, whoever is having issues to fight for what you see as wrong. Um, some doctors or practitioners will look out on their balcony of medicine and they will say, well, your symptoms point to this or your symptoms point to that. That doesn't necessarily mean that is what is happening with you. Um, I think in this day and age where we can ask Alexa things or we can ask Siri questions or we can you know, ask Google. Um, it has made doctors kind of wall themselves off because if we say we think we're having this symptom or we think we're having this problem, sometimes they're like, did you Google that? And, and I don't know if everybody's had that experience or not, but I think that happens at times. Um, as I've seen previously, you know, with my endometriosis, it took 10 years for me to get diagnosed for what was going on. And that is way too long. So I really believe in if you feel something is wrong in your gut or in your heart or in your mind, I encourage you to find somebody who will listen to what is really going on and what is happening with you and try to figure that out. Um... So that caused me to really reconsider who my general practitioner was for 
my health, my overall health, and I had to switch to a new provider. I just couldn't stay with the provider I had previously. It was just too difficult. Um, after she refused to listen to me, I just felt like I couldn't trust what was really happening. Um, in general practitioners, I know it's a little bit different because they don't specialize in just one area. They, they have to know a multitude of things, and I totally understand that. Um, however, I, like I said, if you really think something is wrong or you really think something is bothering you, I encourage you to find somebody who will listen, um, who will take your side, who will understand your testing needs, anything like that. Um, back to the situation with my stepdaughter, um, that is where I had to go out on my balcony of life and I had to go out there and look and say, do I like what I'm seeing? Do I like how I feel when I look out here over the landscape of my entire existence? Do I really like what's happening right now? Um, and I didn't. And honestly, I don't have a relationship with my oldest stepdaughter anymore. Um, I found a support group called Stepmoms and I would go, I went virtually to several of their meetings and several of their, um, kind of video chats, workshops. And I actually, um, found out that it's perfectly okay as a step parent to have that boundary. Um, because at the end of the day, I was basically told through the coaching um, on stepmoms that they are not your children, that they are somebody else is their mother. You may be married to their mother. You may be married to their father or a relationship with their mom or their dad, but you are not their mother. You, at the end of the day, are there as a support system to your spouse, to your partner, um, you are not there to raise the child unless, God forbid, something happened or you take on sole physical custody or a situation like that. So it helped me to really realize what comes on with step parenting and how it can really impact you and impact your relationship and impact your stepchildren. Um, and it may be hard for some people to hear, oh, I don't have a relationship with her anymore. And that is totally understandable. Um, I think there is a lot of confusion when there comes to step parenting. I think some people see it as you should go all in. You should try to be that second mother, that second father, that extra person um, to do everything with the kids. And you have to be there when with everything, with school events, with sports, with anything that the child's involved in, um, that you have to be there all the time. And I would just like to say that that's not necessarily true. Um, that they were a unit, either mother, father, um, or mother, daughter, father, son, son, daughter, whatever. They were a unit before you entered into the picture and if anything god forbid would happen and you don't have a relationship anymore they will be a unit after that so you have to keep that in mind sometimes when things get really rough um it caused me also to sit back and realize 
was I doing the best job as a step parent? Was I really doing the right thing by my stepchildren, by my oldest stepdaughter? Um, and there were times, no, I was not. Um, we have very, two very different households. Um, we have a lot of structure here. We have more rules. Um, we're a little more regulated. Like you have a bedtime, at, for example, and at her mother's house, she does not have a bedtime, even during the school week. She doesn't really have any regulation. And that is um, something that is very hard when a child comes back to a home that um, they all of a sudden have to abide by this rule that they haven't had to abide by for a week or more. Um, so it's one of those things where I had to really stop and ask myself, is it worth the extra drama? Is it worth the extra headache? And when I was looking out on my balcony, it was not. And I had to put the wall up. I had to build some fences. Um, I had to not allow her mom to come into my life as much. Um, I actually went and blocked her on Facebook so she could not contact me. Um, she started to become kind of a high conflict person. She was really snapping, um, prior to all this happening, she was snapping at my spouse. She was snapping at me. Like it was just a very high conflict situation. And it's something that I just had to exit, um, because it wasn't healthy. And one of the things I've learned through this step parenting coaching is that you can't be involved in the drama. Like they may try to pull you in, whoever the parent is, they may try to pull you into that situation, but you have to be able to see your way out of it because it's not you going to court for the kids. It's not you um, involved in their day to day. You're there, but their parent is the primary, if that makes sense. Um, also, I had to really look at what happened overall um, with my stepdaughter and how things were handled. And I will be perfectly honest with you all. I was not the best at handling it. I was very angry. I was very upset. Um, I was devastated because... As a stepmother, I try very hard, um, maybe too hard, to try to make sure the kids are comfortable, to try to make sure that they have everything that they need. And sometimes I probably do cross a line that I don't realize that I'm crossing. Since I have no children of my own, it's a little more difficult. Um, I also had to sit back and realize that after my mother-in-law's passing that I was not the same person. Um, I actually wrote a little blog piece um, called Death at a Funeral. And it is so true. Um, when she passed, some of my support system vanished. And looking out on my balcony now and, and seeing everything in the landscape, there is just a dark black hole over there. <laughs> um, it's extremely difficult um, to realize that you weren't handling something well, that you thought you were handling great. Um, I think sometimes we don't always realize um, how we handle certain things. And it's hindsight is twenty twenty, like we always say. 
it's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did not do a good job with that. Um, that was pretty horrible on my end. Um, I had to also realize that I wasn't the nicest to people that, um, I thought that walking down Bitter Boulevard was the best way to go. And I was also headed down Anger Avenue and it was terrible. You know, I said some things, I did some things that I shouldn't have. And you can't take those things back. You can apologize. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, I looked out on my balcony and I saw some things in my landscape that were tarnished, that were bad, um, that were very pretty. And it's difficult when you sit back and you analyze yourself and you see the things that you did or that you said to people. And it's difficult. Now, was some of it um, menopause driven? Sure. But I don't want to use that as my crutch, as my total excuse for everything that happened. Um, Since then, I have tried to see the other side of things. And that was something when my mother-in-law passed away, I stopped seeing the other side of things because I felt like it was so unfair that she was gone. Um, I felt like this isn't right. This isn't what I envisioned. Like I needed her here because I was new to this area. Um, She was my support person because I don't have any family up here other than my spouse. So it was really damning for me. It was really difficult. And I don't think I realized how sad I was. I don't think I realized that I kind of held on to the anger phase of grief. And I kept holding on to it because it became a lifeline. Because that is how I was able to feel. Um, I didn't realize how numb I was. I actually wanted to leave my husband for a while. I wanted to get away from him. Um, I blamed him for all kinds of things. I thought he was a source of all my problems. Um, yes, there were problems, but he was not the source of everything that was going wrong. Um, again, I had to be responsible for my own actions and what I was doing. And that's not an easy thing to do. And this has been a three-year process. So anybody who's going through a really difficult time, you know, a lot of people think, well, why aren't you better in a month? Why aren't you better in a week? Why aren't you better in a year? Um, Well, let me tell you, it, it doesn't always work that way. There are long stretches of bullshit that goes on and it happens and you don't know how bad it is or how difficult it is until you've experienced it yourself. And that's why I encourage anybody who's looking out on their balcony of life and they're thinking to themselves, this is just a crapshoot. I don't like what I'm seeing. I have a lot of weeds in my garden. I have a lot of weeds in my landscape. Um, and sometimes when stuff gets overgrown, it takes more than weed killer. It actually takes a chainsaw. and there's a lot to cut through and there's a lot to deal with and how are you not going to let these weeds and and vines and things strangle the life out of you again how are you going to resolve those burned out dark areas in your landscape how are you going to clean that up um sometimes you can't clean it up and 
you do your best, the best you can to go through and work through things and clean things up. But sometimes there's weeds that are going to pop through. There's vines that are going to try to strangle something or kill off some part of you. And that happens. Um, there's a lot of things that we go through in life. Um, like I recently had a friend re-enter my life. I wasn't sure if we were friends anymore. Gotta be 100% honest. Um, but I realized that we still have that bond. We still have that friendship and it's okay. Um, I think sometimes we get confused with our friendships. Like when we go long stretches of time, like maybe six months of not talking to each other. Um, and it could be because we're going through something or they're going through something in their lives. So it's like, are we still friends, not friends? What do we do here? Like you still feel for that person and you still want the best for that person at the end of the day, but you just don't have that relationship that you desire because maybe you're in different areas of your life. You're in different seasons of your life. Um, but the catalyst was, you know, my stepdaughter, like saying all these things about me. And I'm not going to sit there and say that they weren't true because some of them were, but not all of them. Um, and having a picture painted of you, um, by somebody who is angry is not easy. Nobody wants to look at the painting of themselves that is mm, distorted, that seems mucky and black and dark and nobody wants to see that nobody does it's just it's not an easy thing nobody likes to see the bad side of themselves and that's a totally difficult process to go through and it's not one that I particularly enjoyed um, because nobody wants to see themselves as a, as a bad person um, we all want to see ourselves as beautiful and gleaming as our Instagram photos, right? <laughs> we all want to be like, look at this. Life is just brilliant. And sometimes it's not. Um, is I really wish sometimes there were filters for the crappy times, you know, and then people be like, oh, she's going through something. Look at her filter. Um, that would be so helpful. But um, I wanted to share this because I think sometimes we forget how to look at ourselves. We forget how to um, maybe take care of ourselves. We forget how to um, get the help we need or the help we deserve. And sometimes we have to go out there and we have to be warriors and we have to fight for what we really want and what we really need, whether it's with our doctors, um, whether it's with family, whether it's with our partners, um, if we're going through a hard time with our children, you know, there are so many things and so many battles that we're fighting. And especially with COVID, it makes it worse because we don't have the ability to connect as much as we want to. Um, a lot of things are virtual. Um, a lot of things are slowly getting back to normal, but um, then you hear about once things reopen, the virus spreads more. So it's a lot of up and down, back and forth. And the thing is too, we have no idea what this virus is about. We have no clue. And I really wish sometimes we would just admit that whether it's in the news or the executive administration, whatever it is, like, just say, we don't know. 
we don't know. It would be a breath of fresh air to me. Just say we don't know. And so we could just move on and be like, okay, we can move on now because we don't know together. I think it's easier when you have a group of people that are like, okay, we don't know. Let's figure this out and move forward. Um, just like with my situation, I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't know what was happening. I had a rough idea. But then once I found out what was really going on with myself and I was able to go back and, you know, kind of try to mend some fences with people that I had hurt or lashed out at, um, it made all the difference. So I encourage anybody who's having a rough time, they're going out and they're looking out at their balcony of life and they're seeing things that they don't like and they're seeing weeds and things that are popping up that are difficult to deal with. I will just tell you, find your change, whether it's in the leaves, whether it's an event um, like I have with my stepdaughter, whether it's something that's a catalyst for you to examine yourself or examine your life. I encourage you to do it as difficult as it may be. I think now's the time too. We, some of us are working from home. Some of us, you know, have a little more time on our hands. Maybe we're still on um, unemployment, who knows? But I'm just here to tell you that things can get better. That when you look out on your balcony and you wanna see change, it could come from any place in your landscape of life.